good morning, South Crest. It is good to be with you this morning. Uh, those of you who don't know me, I'm Jake Dukes, and I am the new groups pastor here at South Crest. So you guys doing good this morning? Feeling good? Ready to do this? Well, I'm from the south side of Atlanta, just a little bit about me, and I grew up in Fayette County, Georgia, went to Sandy Creek High School, and uh, my wife actually was born in Noonan Hospital, so she's a local, so I get to kind of vicariously live through her in that, so, but we're, we're from the south side, and actually we lived in Noonan for seven years in uh, Summer Grove, then we went over and joined The Walking Dead, and now we live in Sonoya, so... But we're excited about being here, man. It's crazy, too, because actually the first, I remember my first internship at a church. It was this little church that met at the Catfish Hollow, and it was this brand new church plant called South Crest Church. So I'm, uh, I've been here a while, and uh, actually I'm already part of the DNA of South Crest. So I already feel like I'm at home. So it's good to be back, right? It's good to be back home. Now, I've had a lot of fun this first week uh, on staff. I, st- I started Monday. As my, this is my first week, and I got to meet everybody. And so, uh, man, we have got a great church. I'm just so excited about being a part of this church. And I've already had a chance to meet with a bunch of folks and, and having a good time. And i got to say, I think I'm most impressed with the staff team at South Crest Church. You guys love the staff team around here? Man, what a great bunch of folks. Sean Smith, man, he's like my new best friend. We go out to coffee. We're like, man, let's go hit lunch. I mean, we're riding together in the car. We're having a blast. So, man, it's just good to be here. I'm glad to be here this morning preaching. Here I get, I get to hit the ground running, so I'm excited about that. So, um, okay, so we're, we're in week three of our series, All In, all right? So we've been talking about going all in for Jesus, and we're asking the question, what does it look like to live an all-in life? Okay, so that's what we're talking about. And uh, last week, Sean talked about the power of the gospel, how the gospel compels us, how the gospel changes us, and how it challenges us to live a full life and to go all in. And so we've been talking about what does it look like to live an all-in life. We're at a place as a church where we are saying to Jesus, yes, we want it, everything you got, full life, abundant life, Humility, patience, goodness, joy, celebration, we want all of it. We want the full gospel life. We are going all in. And this week, we're going to take a look at what it looks like to, have, to live an all-in life in our personal growth. Okay, so we're going to be talking about what it looks like to live an all-in life in our personal growth and how we grow. You see, you can't be in Christ and not be growing. To be a follower of Jesus is to be a learner. It's to be his disciple, is what it says in the New Testament. And so to be a disciple means that we are to be a learner. So you can't be in Jesus and not be growing. We all, if we're in Christ, we have to be growing. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning, is that idea of growth. Okay? So growth. What does growth look like? What's the formula for growth? How do we make growth happen? How can we grow? It's a great question. I mean, probably all of us, I think, wrestle with this uh, this idea of how do we grow? And let me share something from my own personal experience. I've noticed this phenomenon, okay? And it's, it's happens in my brain there. I think that there may be somewhere in the deep regions of my brain, this thing that's trying to kill me. Okay. Let me, let me explain what I'm talking to you about. You see, there are things that my mind tells me that I can do that I 
actually can't pull off. They're not actually possible for me to do. Let me explain. When I was a a young man, okay, I used to like to snowboard, okay, and I still, I still get to snowboard out every now and then, have some fun, but I was snowboarding in the Carolinas, having a good time, enjoying myself, and I got to the park where they had that, like, skate park set up, you know, or the snowboard park, excuse me, set up, and so I, I'm like, yeah, I'll give this a shot, like, I'll go for this, and so my brain is telling me, do it, do it, do it. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to give this a shot. So, so I go down the half pipe and then, you know, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm going easy. And then I hit the part where they got those big jumps and I just, man, I, I mean, I don't know what was going on, but I decided to go for it. So I, so I hit this jump and things like body parts started flying in weird directions. And I, I mean, I just hit, I hit hard and it was painful. I still go to the chiropractor for the pain that I incurred in my body during that. But I, my brain was telling me, go for it. And my body was like, no, we are not going to do this. And so, you know, when I was in high school too, I, uh, I wanted to be a skater, you know, so I don't know if you guys ever had to go through that phase. It's a rough phase to go through, but I was, uh, I was, I wanted to be a skater. So I'd sit, I was going to, at least I just wanted to land the 360 flip. And you guys know that it's like where you flip the board and turn it all at the same time. So like there I am in front of my, gar- in my, in my garage, like with the camera on, it's like dark outside, it's grainy video. And I'm just sitting there try after try, just boom, boom. And the, and the board just flipping and flopping all over the place. And it, I just look ridiculous, okay? Never got a chance to land the, th- the 360 flip. But here's the thing is like my brain kept telling me, just keep going. Just keep, hundreds of times I tried this and my feet wouldn't cooperate. I, I think now, I genuinely believe now that my feet might have been trying to save my life because I don't know what would have happened if I'd actually landed that thing. So, so yeah, so we do this, right? We, we try these things. Our brain tells us that we can do this. But it's not possible for us to do. I still do this even in my parenting. Like now that I'm a, an adult, I still think I can pull these things off. Okay, so like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll be, I, I think that every dad, maybe I'm the only one, but I'd like to believe that every dad, we think we are like a super dad. Like we, we, there, we don't need any books. We don't need any help. We don't need the internet. We don't need our wives even. We just know what to do in any given situation, right? Any moment that might come up, parental need, it's there. It's in our brain. We know how to do it. We don't need any help. We know how to handle it. As a matter of fact, I know as a parent, I like to go, like I'll go to the grocery store and you know, my, I just, me and my three girls and I'm like, I like it because I'm going to prove to my wife that I can do this. You know, like it's just me and my girls and my three ladies and which are by the way, the love of my life. I cherish my ladies. You got to meet them. They're amazing. But so we're walking around, we're like at the grocery store. And so my brain, I start going through like these quick life-saving case scenarios in case, th- in case something happens, just in case something like a cart's going to come out of nowhere. And so I'm like, I'm just walking along with my brain. I'm thinking, grab these two over the shoulder, twist and turn, duck, and then I'm safe. You know, like that cart's not going to touch them. They're going to be okay. So I'm just like, I'm, but I'm just preparing myself, you know, just in case I need to save a life, my children's lives. Like there's a car coming down the street. I'm thinking that car could veer onto the sidewalk. What would I do? And so I quickly, I've ta- I imagine grabbing the baby, tossing her up in the air, you know, grabbing these two and then catching her over, you know, like whatever I need to do to save my children's lives. And I think I can pull these things off. Like in my brain, I've really told myself, you can do this, Jake. Like there's, you'll be able to do this. And I, I imagine if it actually happened, if a car actually came, I would probably, like I'd try and jump off the bumper and then just, they would kill me. Like I would be dead, be over. But it'd be really funny. It'd probably make it on YouTube. But so... So, I, and this, you know, th- this, this actually happened. I thought I was a great parent until I saw myself on film. Have you ever had that experience 
where you're like, you see yourself on video as a parent. You're like, what? It was, what was I? Stop. Stop talking. Just be quiet. Like, you just need to be silent. So I thought it was a good idea to videotape my Christmas, our Christmas morning, okay? It's a good idea, right? I mean, you want to grab Christmas morning. It's a beautiful time. And so you know what you do. Like, you set up the camera, and it's Christmas morning, and everybody, everybody's talking in these sweet, gentle tones because the camera's on. And so, oh, my dear, my dear special child that I love dearly, come over here. No, no, you know what? Come open this present. Oh, yes, sweetheart. Now hop down off the couch. Ha, ha, ha. We're all happy. No, so that's the way you talk when you know the video camera's on. See, the problem was, though, was that I had set the video camera up in the corner because I wanted the whole thing. Okay, I wanted, like, the whole experience. So I set the video camera up in the corner and just let it roll. And just let it go. So we started off. Good first 15 minutes, great. But then uh, after, after that, like, then the real family dynamics began to erupt, you know. And so it's like, you, stop messing with your sister. Don't open your sister's present. Stop pulling hair. Sophia, laps three times around the house. Quick, lock the door. It's like, it was bad. I mean, it was bad. It wasn't really quite that bad, but, but that's what, see, it's, there's so much that we have to work on. Man, I've got so much that I need to work on when it comes to being light, when it comes to life, being a parent, anything, you know, but I think we all feel this pain. We all know that we're supposed to come through. We all know that we're supposed to do it right. The sense of not being where we should be, right? We should be farther on in our growth, We usually have a good idea of the goal of what growth looks like, right? We're supposed to be like Jesus. We're supposed to emulate him. We're supposed to exhibit the fruit of the spirit, to pray without ceasing. We're supposed to be nice to our kids. We're supposed to be patient in our family dynamics. We're supposed to do this. We know what we're supposed to do. We have an idea of what growth looks like. It's just hard for us to get there. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's, it's, um, it's the problem that we have this gap. There seems to be this gap between what we know we should do and what we actually do. Like, we know that we're supposed to do this, but in actuality, we just can't do it. We just have a hard time making it happen. It's like we know we need to get better, but how do we find the steps to get there? How do we actually get there? So what do we do do with this? How can we grow? Well, what does the word say about how we grow? Because there are some clues in here. The Bible tells us I've got good news for you this morning. Because we're going to take a look at a passage today that's going to help us understand the secret to growth. We're going to look at John 15, and we're going to see that Jesus had a lot to say about how we grow. And I think this is going to revolutionize the way that we see growth. You see, I'm, I'm here to tell you this morning, growth is, in Jesus Christ is not only possible, but it's inevitable. If you are in Christ, you will grow. So please turn with me. Let's look at John 15 together. I'm going to start in verse 1. I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll read the Bible. Lord God, we ask that you be with us this morning. Open your word. Teach us, God. Show us the ways of your truth. Help us to grow, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's look at verse 1 together, and I'm going to read this out. Jesus said in 15.1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me 
as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown to the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So what does it take to grow? Simple, nothing and everything. Actually, to John 15, growth is not something that we do. It's a byproduct of something else. Two things, really, okay? We do something, and God does something when it comes to our growth. Okay, so let's take a look first at what we can do to grow. And in this passage in John 15, it says very clearly, to grow, we are to abide in Christ. The NIV says, remain. The idea of remaining or abiding, it's an interesting word. Those are Bible words. Okay, granted, what's the way that we might say that today in modern day vernacular? Well, it simply means that we are to depend on Jesus. Okay, I think about it this way, a baby and a mother. There's no way that the baby's gonna survive without the mother. Okay, we're supposed to depend on Jesus. We're supposed to abide in him. You see, the vine is an important metaphor here, okay? And I've got here my trusty vine, Matt McFadden hooked me up, and uh, this guy's looking uncouth right here. He's going to have to go quickly. I'll tell you that right now. But uh, yeah, here's my vine. And so it's important that Jesus used this metaphor, right? Because we know that these little branches here, there's no way they're going to survive without the vine. Okay, so it means that we are to depend on Jesus. The power generator for Christian growth is our union with him. Now, this is what it means to live an all-in life for growth. Okay, we're talking about going all-in. It's an interesting dynamic because usually when you think about going all-in, you're like, I'm going to go do something. And there are things that we do when we go all-in. But this is about remaining in Jesus. This is about abiding. So if you want to go all-in, living all-in, that means that we have to depend on Jesus. You know, I think that many of us, when it comes to our spiritual growth, when it comes to our growth, we actually don't want enough out of life. We want too little. Our aspirations are too small. And so we kind of, we come up with these human-sized goals about what we can achieve even in our own personal growth, about what we can manage, what we can control, what we can do. I've seen what Jake is able to do, and it looks like snowboards and boots flying everywhere on the mountain. That's what Jake can do in his own personal growth. But when it comes to Jesus and what he can do, what did it say in his word? You will bear fruit. But apart from him, we can do what? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. But you've given up on yourself. Jesus said, ask me whatever you want. Ask whatever you want and it will be given to you. I think it's talking about prayer, but I think also it's talking about fruit. What fruit do you want in your life? You want to be patient? You find yourself being, to, do you have a quick temper? If you want more patience, if you want more control, ask me for it. 
Ask me. I freely give. All you have to do is ask. If you need peace, are you looking for more joy? Are you looking for a greater hope? Are you looking for a way to actually be able to live with your mother-in-law? I will give it to you. I'm just kidding. My mother-in-law is probably going to be here later on. So I love her. She's wonderful. She's amazing. I am the vine. You are the branches. Just ask me for it. Don't stay there. Don't give up. I know it's easy for us to get cynical. It's easy for us to stop hoping in what we can become. But Jesus Christ is here to tell us it will happen. Abide in me and you will bear fruit. I'm the vine, you're the branches. What stain could be so deep in your life that the very life of God couldn't lift it out? God is able to do it. He can do it in you and he can do it in me. You say, I feel weak, I feel unable, I'm inadequate. That's right, yes. Here's the thing, the branch right here, this branch is not attached to the roots. It depends on the vine. And so, yeah, it makes sense that you feel weak. You're dependent on the vine. You can't get to the life in the ground. You can't get to life apart from yourself. You can't do it. It takes you depending on the vine. And so, yeah, every one of us are weak. Every one of us are needy. Every one of us are broken. We have to have Jesus Christ in order to be able to grow. Two things he said. He said he wanted us to abide in two things in this passage. He said that he wanted us to abide in his words and to abide in his love. Briefly, what he's saying here is about his words, that we are to let Christ's words dwell in us. Now, here's the cool thing about Jesus, okay? He's talking about the Bible, yes. But we know about Jesus that he is the word. Jesus is the word. His life is the word. So everything he did is the word. We have to dwell not just in the Bible. Yes, it's important that we read the Bible, but Jesus is talking about remaining in my words, the life that I lived, the testimony that I brought. That's how we let the words of Christ dwell richly in us. So we have to let Jesus wash us in the word. You know, it said uh, in Ephesians 5, Paul talked about this, okay? He talked about Christ washing the church in the, like, in, in the, wor- in the water of the word. Okay, so it's a, that's a cool metaphor, I think. I think this is a good idea on what it means to be washed in the word. I like that idea, the idea of washing, to let the word purify us and wash over us. You know, there's, water's great. As a matter of fact, I don't know if there are many problems as a parent that can't be fixed by a glass of water. Have you ever thought about that? Right? Your child's screaming in the back seat. Finley is just going to town screaming. Finley, here's some water. She drinks water. She's fine. Why? All it took was a glass of water. You know, Arabella, she's having trouble going to sleep. Daddy, Daddy's already got the glass of water ready. So he brings it up, hands her the glass of water, and she's out. It's like amazing. Sophia, she's having trouble with her math. And so she's getting frustrated. She got stuck. This literally just happened the other day. And she was stuck. And she could have said, let's go get a drink of water. So we got a drink of water. She's like, Daddy, thank you. That just calmed me down. (laughs) It's water. I got to say, water is the parental secret weapon to diffusion, right? We know it's power. It's our go-to with our kids. And and that's really what Jesus, I mean, this has, the word of God has to be our go-to. We have to go to it. We have to depend on it. We have to read it. We have to let it change us. We have to let it preach to us. The word has to, it has to dig down deep into us. Let me give you an example. So like you're, you know, you're upset at your friend. Your friend just hurt you. And you're like, I don't know if I want to be that friend anymore. 
Like BFF status, gone. Okay? Axing you. I'm unfriending you. Right? Because you were mean. And so, and what do you do? And you're like grumbling about this and upset. And then somewhere swimming around the back of your brain, it's like, Jesus said something about this. What do I do? You know, so you're like, okay, fine. So Bible Gateway Search, Matthew 6 comes up. And you read that we are to forgive those who sin against us because Christ forgave us. And then you let that deep into your soul. And you realize that you need to go to your friend and you need to forgive them. That's how you let the words of Christ dwell in you. They change you. They cut you, and then they heal you. You let, them, you let the word of God preach to you. In short, you let it change you. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So in order to grow, we must abide in the words of Jesus. But we also need to abide in his love. It says that we are to abide in his love, verse 9. And so if we are going to remain in the love of God, what does that look like? What does it look like to remain in the love of God? Like, what does that even look like? That sounds kind of nebulous. So what does it mean? Well, let me tell you what it doesn't mean, okay? It doesn't mean abiding in God's love doesn't mean that God's love for us grows or changes in any way. You see, when, the moment that you first said yes to Jesus, do you remember it? I mean, I love thinking about that. Do you remember that moment? The moment when you first said yes to Jesus, you were never more loved, more forgiven, more holy in that moment than in your entire Christian life. God said, I love you completely in this moment. So that means you aren't any more loved than today, tomorrow, yesterday, any more loved than you will ever be. So you're, you're just as loved as Moses you're just as love as Paul. You're just as love as Sean Smith, as Jake Dukes, as anybody. God loves you completely. So it doesn't mean that his love for us has changed or grown in any way. What it does mean is that our awareness, our understanding of his love grows and deepens. We appreciate his love. We understand how it touches us. We understand where it comes in. We understand how his love covers us how he sees us in light of Jesus' righteousness no matter what we do. And so as our awareness and our understanding of his love grows, we grow. Isn't that cool? It's like the more that we understand his love, the more that we grow. And so what we need to do is we need to start looking at many of our problems as a failure to live out of God's love. We've forgotten. When we have a problem, we've forgotten what it means to be loved by God. We miss it. We forget it, or, or we don't understand it. And so as we grow, we, that sense of his love just deepens in our life. The good news is that Jesus has already promised that he will abide in us if we will abide in him and abide in his words and abide in his love. We need to give up trying to work our way into this thing called growth. We have to abide. We have to rest into it. We have to remain. When we remain in Christ, growth will happen. It's that simple. As you remain in Christ, growth happens. It's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We grow. We're designed to grow. That's what this vine, if given, if it abi- I mean this branch, if it abides in the vine, will grow. It will happen. It's natural. It's organic. It's the way it's supposed to be. And that's what's going to happen to us. 
And that's what we can do if we want to work out. Our part of the growth scenario, our part of how we grow, is that we abide. That's all we do. We abide. We rest. We remain. But what does God do? God does something as well. And we see here right at the beginning of the chapter, right at the beginning of our passage, that there's something very important that God does. See, to grow, we must be pruned by the Father. To grow, we must be pruned by the Father. The Father is the gardener. Jesus makes it very clear. He says, my father is the vine dresser. So the father is the gardener in this passage. Why does he prune us? What is going on? Why? Where are my shears at? Why? Look at this. Matt McFadden hooked me up. I get to be a gardener this morning. I don't have a green thumb at all. I kill things all the time in my yard. I had these nice plants that I, that, that, and they stayed in pots for like three months. I'm ashamed to admit this, but I, I, I'm terrible at growing things. Luckily, Jesus is not terrible at growing things. He's the master. But here, so Matt got me this plant, right? So why does the Father prune us? Why does he cut these things off? What is the secret to cutting? Why, does that, why is that important? Why do we have to get cut? Why do we need to be pruned? Well, simple. It's to get the branch to depend on the vine in a way it never has before. You see, because what happens is, you get things, you get this, like this, for example, this guy right here, this is a branch. What's he starting to look like? A vine. He's starting to look like a vine. Okay, so, so he's starting to get his own life system. He's starting to think he can be able to do this thing. So it's time for him to go. And you're done. Time for you to go. You're going to the cutting floor. Okay, because God wants us to depend on him alone. God prunes us so that we will depend on him alone only. All these things, these things that that are sucking life from the vine, all these things where this branch begins to think, I can be a vine. I can get life. I can give you life all on my own. God says, I'm not going to let you stay there. I'm going to cut those things off. God wants us to, to depend on him, and we are trying to get our needs met somewhere else. He says, look, remain in me. And we say, okay, cool. But I'm going to do this, 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 and this. And this is where I'm going to get my life from for a while. And Jesus said, guess what? The Father says, guess what? It's time for that to go. This happened to me when I was in high school, when I was um, my second year of college. And um, I, I, there was three things that I wanted to do with my life, okay? I, I wanted to be a pro soccer player. I wanted to be a minister of the gospel. And I wanted to be a man who was married to a wonderful, beautiful woman. Okay, I wanted to do three things. And so uh, I began to look at my life, and uh, the, the soccer team approached me and were like, Jake, we need you to play for us. We need you to play striker, and we want you to you know, travel with us and come to the practice, practices and you know, score a bunch of goals for us. And I was like, yeah, you want me to score a bunch of goals for you? That's what I do. I score goals. Kick the ball and a score. <laughs> but there was, there was only, I, one, okay, there was three things, and I couldn't do all three. All right, I, I had just gotten married to the love of my life. Jacqueline Lee Duke, she's sitting right here on the front, front row. She's amazing. She is the joy of my life. I just gotten married to her. And I was trying to figure out school, and I was trying to become a minister of the gospel, and then they wanted me to be this guy too. And so I realized that there needed to be some pruning in my life. I could only get life from the things that came from Jesus. And so something had to go. And so I gave up my dream. But you know what? It turned out okay for me. Because I got my best friend in the world, and I get to do what I love and preach the gospel and declare the name of Jesus. 
So it turned out well for me. But you know what? Pruning is hard. At the time, it was, it was hard. I mean, it wasn't super hard. I mean, I'm not, not don't play this up a bit, but too much. But it was hard. Pruning is hard. Losing things are hard. But when Jesus says, guess what? I've got something better for, me, for you. Because you know what happens after the pruning, right? The fruit comes. The fruit happens after the pruning. And so when you get pruned, when you get laid, when something gets laid down on the cutting room floor, guess what's coming next? Fruit. Fruit is a byproduct of pruning. And so God always prunes the things that we get life from apart from him. And so here's the last thing, too, that we've got to keep in mind when it comes to pruning, all right? This is the last thing we've got to keep in mind is that either you're getting pruned or what? You're burning in the fire. And that's the warning that Jesus gives us. Either we're getting pruned and there's things that he's pruning from us or we're getting burned in the fire. And so it's important that we continue to remain in Jesus It's important that we abide in him. And it's important that we allow him to take us to the cutting floor and cut off anything that we're trying to get life from apart from him. It's very important. And you know what? I want to close with this idea. And so here I am. I'm the group's pastor, okay? And so it would not do well of me if I sat up here and preached to you and then neglected to talk about how amazing and important and vital groups are as a part of this. Because here's what. Guess what? If abiding in Christ is important, who's the body of Christ? That's us right here. We are the body of Christ. And so in order for us to be in Christ, we have to be meeting together. We have to. It's, it's central to how we grow. And here at Southcrest, life groups are the lifeblood of how we grow. That's just how we do it. Life groups are central. And so maybe you're here this morning and you thought, Jake, man, thank you for that encouragement. I know that I'm supposed to do this personally. This is kind of an individual thing, you know, that I'm going to work on. That's great. But you're not going to get the full growth equation unless you figure out how to get into a faith community and be part of a faith community where you guys can challenge each other, you can pray for each other, you can encourage one another, you can listen to each other, you can have friendship. Man, the Bible talks a lot about friendship. It's central in how we grow. And life groups are the place where growth happens. Okay, so I want to admonish you. I want to encourage you. You were given a connect card, and I've already torn mine off, but it looks like this, okay? And if you're here this morning, and you're not in a life group, man, please tear this off and write on there, I'm interested in getting in a group. Just write, get in a group right there on the card, anywhere. You can write it in the prayer section, you can write it, or you can just right here, check the box, life groups. Anything you want to do, please don't leave today without finding a Christian community. It is vital to how we grow. Maybe you've been doing the life group thing for a little while. And you, you know, you're saying, Jake, I'm ready to step out. God's done some pruning in my life. I've seen some fruit. And I'm ready to actually lead others. Man, That is excellent news. You can just write on your connect card, lead a group. Just write on there, lead a group. And I'd love to connect with you. I'll follow up with you. And I would love to see, I would love to talk with you about what your dreams are and what your passion is around leading a group. That would be great if God were to do that in your life this morning. Maybe you're thinking, I'm ready to move out, but I'm not quite ready to lead a group, Jake. 
And so you think, you're thinking, you know, I want to do something. I want to give back. I want to serve. Guess what? You can host a group. These groups meet in homes around our city, and they are changing South Atlanta one relationship at a time. It's how we meet our mission. And so if you'd like to, if you're saying this morning, I, I think I can host. I've got an open door. I've got, I've got the gift of hospitality. I know how to make some noodles and some chips, whatever. I don't know who eats noodles at group, but you can host. That would be great. Just write host a group on your card, okay? Now, I hope everyone has a chance to put something down because, we, again, we want everybody to fill the card out this morning. Um, and we want you to put your information on there. So please do that if you would. Please go ahead and get it out and go ahead and do that. And you can give us your prayer requests. We'd love to hear from you. But I would like to address one more person. Maybe you haven't heard your call to action yet. And I want to invite everybody, just sit where you are. Let's just have a time of prayer together because I'd like to speak to one more person in the group. And let's all close our eyes and bow our heads. And let's get with Jesus. You see, maybe you're here this morning and you've been hearing me talk and you have no idea what depending on Jesus looks like. And maybe for the, maybe, maybe for the first time you're understanding in a new way what a relationship with Jesus is all about and what it means to go all in in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, I got good news for you this morning because it's super easy. And so maybe you're here and you're saying, I don't know what it means to be a Christian. I don't know what it means to really put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Well, let me tell you how to do that right now. It's simple. And you can pray this prayer with me or you can say something very similar to it. You just say, Jesus, I love you. I need you to save my life. God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I have broken your commands. I know I need help. Lord Jesus, I'm depending on you to be my rescue. I want to put my faith and trust in you this morning. And if that's you this morning, man, that is so exciting because you've just entered into a brand new relationship with the God of the universe. And everything from this moment forward is going to be different because it's no longer about working and about doing and about striving to be a good person. Now it's about remaining in the love of Jesus Christ. And it's an ocean. He's so good.